Canada is among a handful of countries to offer euthanasia services, and now the Trudeau government wants to expand doctor-assisted suicide to those suffering from mental health issues. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. So it becomes more evident every single day that our society is sick. We're suffering from a sickness. There's no doubt about it. I think in the United States, the Trump presidency really brought this cultural sickness to the forefront, it revealed the long running culture war, it brought it right out into the open, exposed the hatred that our so-called elites and experts have for everyday people in their values, their beliefs, and their ideals. In Canada, we saw some of these same trends emerge during COVID. There was a complete lack of trust in the common sense of everyday citizens. There was a reluctance by so many to defend and uphold our basic charter rights and freedoms. And there was an expediency with which politicians and so-called experts would denigrate and demonize the people. Every day in the news, we see reminders of our fraying civil society and the social decay we are experiencing. Whether it's pastors being jailed, school children being massacred in their schools, or directionless, often fatherless young men carrying out unspeakable atrocities. In response, we see more sneering from the elites towards everyday people and these supposed elites drawing all the wrong conclusions. Well, today I want to look at an issue that I think really represents the social decay happening in Canada. I'm talking about the muted discussion when it comes to death, suicide, and our government's role, not just in facilitating, but in expanding and advocating for euthanasia. I'm pleased to be joined today by Angelina Ireland. Angelina is the president of the board of the Delta Hospice Society. It's really an incredible organization. It's a nonprofit group promoting life-affirming palliative care. Back in 2014, while suffering from cancer, Angelina joined the Delta Hospice Society as a patient before eventually joining the organization's board four years later. In 2020, the Delta Hospice Society refused to offer doctor-assisted suicide, despite the BC Health Authority making the practice mandatory at all publicly funded hospice centers. So the BC government eventually pulled the Delta Hospice Society's funding and seized their centers, which they'd been operating since 1991. So since then, Angelina has been an outspoken advocate against doctor-assisted suicide and is defending natural end-of-life values. She continues to lead the Delta Hospice Society as a virtual and call-in hospice provider. So, Angelina, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you. Thank you, Candice, for having me. So let's let's just talk about your organization, the Delta Hospice Society. I've been following it. Uh, it's, it's had certainly a tumultuous uh, last few years, particularly in dealing with the BC government. So can you explain to our viewers what exactly happened with your organization, why you refused to offer this service, and what the consequences have been. Yeah, thank you. You know, we are a 30-year private organization devoted to palliative care. And for those who don't really know, you know, the specifics of palliative care, basically we take care of people um, in their, during their illness, um, during their end of life. Uh, and we also take care of their families. Uh, but we, what we do not do in palliative care is kill our patients. So, you know, this is a 50 year medical discipline in which Canada has actually had a great deal to do with in its development. So we should be very proud of that through people like, you know, Dr. Balfour Mount out of McGill University. 
So, you know, we have just been a group of private citizens um, opening up a uh, palliative care organization and being very committed and devoted to doing some very good work um, and actually, uh, you know, supporting the public health care system. Over our years, we have probably given close to $30 million to the public health care system, 750,000 volunteer hours to the public health care system. So ultimately, it's been a really good deal for the taxpayer. And before euthanasia became law, the government thought that we were a really good partner. And, and so, I mean, I mean, th- this conversation sort of came up very quickly and Canada became one of the first countries in the world to uh, legalize basically doctor-assisted suicide. Um, so, so, so the idea behind the uh, hospice society and hospices around Canada was to take people out of hospitals and allow them to go to a place, you know, in their in their final days, weeks, or months, and and sort of die with dignity and in, in, in natural ways. Um, and then and then this law came out saying that that that's not gonna that's not the way that that end of life is going to happen in Canada. Can you sort of walk us through that that battle, how it happened, how these laws got introduced, and how it affected your group? Yeah, I think that, you know, ultimately I can say it um, in that we're undergoing a coercive makeover of palliative care in this country. So when C-14 was first introduced, uh, it allowed it was basically a, an amendment to the criminal code so that doctors and nurses would not get charged with murder when um, they help people kill themselves. Um, and so w- with that being passed and because, you know, healthcare is a provincial jurisdiction, It was passed down to the provinces to allow people access to this kind of procedure. Now, out here in British Columbia, uh, I have to say that the NDP government just, you know, accepted this with like an an enthusiasm with like, you know, and they were going to just make sure that every single bed in British Columbia was going to offer euthanasia. So they, you know, they kind of exalted euthanasia as like the king of all procedures. And anybody getting any kind of government money was going to have to provide this service. Um, so, you know, we as a private organization, uh, in, in 2010, we fundraised and we built a hospice and a palliative care center next to it for support uh, counseling. That was the kind of services that I, you know, took care of when I was a patient myself. Um, so we got into a contract with the government, uh, with the Fraser Health Authority, which is the authority in our area, to provide 10 palliative care beds. Um, to the public health care system for $1.4 million. Now, when MAID came into law. And MAID is the sort of u- euphemism that the government uses to de- describe Medical this, assistance this is dying because that's kind of a nice way of saying, you know, they like to say euthanasia. They, they, they don't like that word because it's, it's not as pretty and comforting. So they came to us and said, you, you're going to have to provide euthanasia. And we said, no, because we're a palliative care organization. That's why we're a private organization providing palliative care. Why would we do that? Besides, right next door to us, like a minute, is the Delta Hospital, and they provide MAID there. So there's, you know, clearly there's access to euthanasia within this community. So there's no need for that to be forced upon us. So our first battle was with the government. And they said, no, not only no, but they became ruthless against us. 
So it wasn't just enough that they take away their contract from us, which is fine. We accepted that. Uh, so they would have taken away the 1.4 million and we were happy to fundraise that amount of money. We have a store, which is a revenue producing property. So we were quite content to be able to provide to the public health care system, 10 palliative care beds at no cost to the taxpayer. But no, that wasn't enough for the government. They, they thought somehow that perhaps we were um, so non-compliant and such instigators that they were going to try to crush us completely. So they took away our funding and then they alerted us that they were gonna take away our hospice. So we built our hospice on a 35 year land lease. Okay, a registered lease uh, that was uh, not a license just to be there, a lease uh, that was, you know, in the land titles office and everything else. So what they did was they canceled that lease. That was not necessary, uh, but it was punitive. They canceled that lease and they evicted us from that property with 25 years left on that lease. Not only did they evict us, they evicted our patients, our dying patients from our hospice. They, the Fraser Health Authority sent around a notice telling the people there that they're gonna have to leave in two months. So within that time, a couple of people passed away, uh, but the remaining people, they, they shipped off to another hospice in the Fraser Health region. They then uh, basically gave us 30 days to get out and we had to fire all of our staff. We had to move and we had to be out of those premises um, in, the 30, in 30 days. So you know, this just goes to show that when you stand to defy authority, uh, you know, they will go to every length to crush any independent initiative. It's really unbelievable that that story. I, I'm wondering if you can help explain to the viewers, Angelina, what, what's the difference between the services that you would provide at your hospice versus uh, a, a, a hospital? Like, what was the difference for those patients when you got evicted, um, moving to the other facilities? Would they have been sort of offered or, or presented with the uh, option, I guess you call it, of, of, of being euthanized? Is, is, that, is, that, is that what happens over there? Well, you know, interestingly, once they kicked us out, they reopened our facility two weeks later under their authority, and now they operate it, um, and they provide euthanasia there. So, you know, they sort of carted off a few people for the interim to another hospice, um, you know, and I, I use the term hospice now very loosely because hospices were never a place where you came to die. Hospices were a place where you came to live and where we took care of you. We took care of you, not only your physical, but your you know, psychological and spiritual needs and those of your family. Now you can go to a hospice and your worst day can become your last day because you can ask for to be euthanized and you can be killed that day. So now people are taking, and they don't use palliative care so much anymore in this province. They use words like end of life care, right? They try to steer away from, you know, any kind of connection to, you know, a very noble medical discipline, because they know that what they've done in this province is, is pretty much destroy palliative care. 
And it's so sad, given uh, what you're just uh, describing about how Canada was once sort of a, a world leader, and we have 50 years of experience in, in in really dealing with this very difficult, challenging part of life. Death is a part of life. Uh, I'm wondering if you can explain, because I I, I think that the the, the the broader discussion kind of gets tied up. People who oppose this way of dying and, and this idea that the government will just sort of facilitate death if, if a patient asks for it. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you could walk us through why you personally oppose this 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 method, this doctor-assisted suicide, why your group um, specifically decided to fight against it, because there's so few voices and so few groups doing what the Delta Hospice Society did. And it, in some ways, it's really inspiring to see what you're doing. In other ways, it's like, wh- why isn't there pushback on this stuff from people all over the country? So I'm wondering if you can, if you just walk us through your views and then your society's views as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, we wanted to stand for palliative care. You know, we consider it to be a national treasure. Not only that, but, you know, it's a gift to humanity, right? When you go in a sort of sacrificing, selfless way, take care of the most vulnerable among us. You know, that is a, that's a noble cause. That's something that this organization has spent 30 years uplifting and providing. You know, and so what we have seen now is, um, you know, those people who would, who would prefer a different end of life experience, um, they, you know, we're not even going to say anything about that. What we're going to say is if that's what you want, then you go build it. But what we find now happening is that this new political movement wants to walk in and literally steal everything that we've created over the past 50 years, instead of going and doing their own work. You go fundraise, you go open your maid centers, right? And you become then a choice to the public um, in terms of an end of life a marketplace of services available. Because I'll tell you, we have many, many people who want the kind of services that we provide. So no, they don't just get to have, you know, uh, because they have a loud, obnoxious group of people who are demanding to be killed um, you know, on demand, that's fine. I'm not going to fight you. What I'm going to say to you is go do your own work because the work that we have done for the past 50 years is important. People look to us, they trust us to protect them. And we are not going to just uh, surrender, right? Everything that we've created to, because it will be more convenient for you. So you go make your own spaces and we'll have our spaces. I mean, that's, you know, on principle, that is really one of the, one of the reasons why we fought so hard. Um, you know, second is all that, you know, we have within palliative care, a real respect for the dignity of life, the sanctity of life to its natural end, and how much we can do to provide people with um, an incredible ability to have time at their end of life to have a reconciliation with their loved ones, right? To be able to physically, emotionally accept the next stage. That's very important because we can see the trauma that family members go through when when their loved ones just, they show up to see them and they're dead, they're gone. They decided in the middle of the night with, I will say some uh, influence um, of perhaps some healthcare providers that they should just put themselves out of this misery and, and not be a burden to their families. And they're gone, right? 
So, you know, we provide that experience of time uh, to honor who we are as human beings um, and to give, you know, those people we love the opportunity to, to also be able to accept and to heal before we say our ultimate goodbye. Right. It's, it's so interesting that, you know, you have you have different opinions, right? If, if some other family, if there's Canadians out there who you don't want their loved ones suffering and they make this decision altogether, there's space for them, right? There's places where they can go. But it's so interesting that the people in charge, the politicians, the bureaucrats, the experts uh, say no to the Canadians who don't want this kind of service offered to their loved ones and they don't believe in it and it goes against their morals and values. You, you, there's no space for you in our society. We're going to go after this little Delta hospice society and just eliminate them. And and it's it's really telling that that that's the attitude that they had. You know, you talk about uh, sort of the influence. I would I would call it coercion of of uh, healthcare providers pushing this idea of medically assisted dying. Last month there was a, a big news story. There was an individual named Donna Duncan who was an Abbotsford nurse and mother who died on October 29th, 2021. So almost a year ago, police are investigating this medically assisted death of Duncan and her daughters say the death should not have been approved for the procedure based on her mental health at the time. Um, this is terrifying and chilling that that these daughters placed their their mother in in care and came one day like you said and, and their mother was gone and this decision had been made and they it seems like they didn't consult uh, the family so I'm, I'm wondering you know why 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 aren't we talking more about these kind of stories and how is this how is this even happening in Canada how can we push back against it well we do you know and I think that people need to understand there are choices that we should be allowed to have choices we as a private organization, we're literally, literally told by the government that uh, we have no right. We have no right to our conscience. We have no right as tax-paying citizens to be able to have the kind of service that we actually pay for, right? We've become disenfranchised. We've become like indentured serfs. Pay your money. You don't get any choices. You do what you're told. You know, I mean, ultimately, that, at the end of the day, that, that's what this boils down to. Uh, you know, we have many, we have a constituency that wants what we offer, but we're not allowed to have it now because um, the government deems it to be somewhat inappropriate. You apparently, you have to, you have to offer every uh, medical uh, procedure in your facility that, that, you know, that's available. However, right next door at the Delta Hospital, you can't have your baby there. Nobody in Delta can have their baby in Delta. You've got to go off to some other city to have your child. But in every bed in Delta, you got to be able to kill someone. So, you know, it's ironic. Um, it's, you know, hypocrisy. We want to say that we see you. We see this nonsense that you're, you know, you're trying to push onto people. Um, and, you know, if I was sitting here and telling you, oh, I'm raising money to have a no-kill animal shelter, right? Oh, I, I'd be getting all kinds of support from the government, but I'm sitting here saying that I want to have a no-kill hospice and I become enemy of the state. It's really wild, isn't it? The, that, that's quite a stark uh, difference. Well, we now hear, Angelina, that the federal government is expected to unveil new laws to allow doctors to offer medically assisted suicide to the mentally ill. So that means people suffering from depression, bipolar disorder, personality disorder, schizophrenia, even PTSD and other mental afflictions will be offered this. Uh, what, what are your concerns about uh, legislation like this? 
it's, you know, it, it's happening at the, at the worst time. You know, we have been through as a people the last two and a half years of a really traumatic experience. We've been locked down, fear mongered about, your, you know, put your mask on, get your shots, get your boosters, you're going to die, right? We've got inflation going out of, out of control. We've got war in Ukraine. They're talking about World War III. You know, if you're not suffering some kind of mental strain in this moment, you know, it would be, it would be a surprise. So, you know, now they want to offer death to people who are, um, you know, mentally, I'll say unstable. Well, I would argue that that euthanasia in this moment is being asked for because we're in a mental health crisis. Now, instead of uh, helping people with the tools that we have to help them, they would just prefer to kill them. You know what? Because it's cheap. It's $400 to kill someone. And now they just have Dr. Death coming once a week and they line people up and they just kill them. Well, I'll tell you a hospice bed, for example, um, it was probably, you know, we could do it probably cheaper, but if the government's doing it 1200 bucks a day, a day, right? So um, we know, we, we see through like the Wizard of Oz thing that, that's, that's going on, right? We know who wants euthanasia. People who don't want to be a burden, people who are afraid of losing control of their, their lives, people who are anxious, who are depressed. Okay, that's, that's mental health issues. So they're trying to push death upon people with mental health issues. That's not a loving, kind, or compassionate response. That's a nihilist response. And we expect more from the government, from the people that we elect to represent us than that. Well, especially if you look at some of the numbers, I mean, it's one thing to talk about medically assisted dying to someone who's in chronic pain, who's in their 90s, um, who just might say, you know, my, my life, I've lived a good life, I've lived a fulfilled life, and to your point, I don't want to be a burden. But when you're talking about the mental health crisis in our country right now, it's largely afflicting young people. Uh, you know, teenagers and people in their 20s and 30s. We just read a report that said 70, 69% of journalists report feeling anxiety and depression. And the thing about depression and other disorders like bipolar disorder is you have good days and bad days. And so if you ask someone on the very worst of the worst days, the lowest of the low, do you want to end your life? I, at that point, you know, it might seem like a, like a realistic option without thinking about the fact that things will get better and there's light at the end of the tunnel and there are things to live for and it's such a sad point in our society where, 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 where to your point you know the most vulnerable people in our society are just being offered this 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 way out well uh angelina i i i find this issue so troubling and uh you know i know that there's there's a variety of, of opinions out there but i i really do appreciate uh, what, what you're doing and, and the voice that you're providing uh, for all this. Um, for Canadians who, who don't know much about what's going on and, and want to get more involved, what do you, what do you recommend um, for them? Yeah, you know, I mean, after, after they literally took our assets and tried to destroy us with the national activists who came after us and, you know, you know we've, been through the, we've been through the wars here on the, on the front line for the last two and a half years, not only against government, against activists, uh, no opposition party in this country supported us. Um, they all closed the door on us when we tried to speak to them. So you know what we what we know now is that we need to protect ourselves. This is where we've come to at this moment. They're not coming to help you. So in an attempt to help protect people, um, our organization, the DeltaHospiceSociety.org, 
has opened up a national palliative care hotline. So uh, 1-800-232-1589. It's open eight days a week, Monday to Friday, sorry, eight hours a day, five days a week. We ask you to call us if you have questions, if you have concerns. Uh, we're there to help you find places where your loved ones can go that perhaps they could be safe. Um, you know, we'll have those conversations with you. If you need counseling, we'll arrange counselors for you that aren't going to just affirm your, your euthanasia and suicidal intentions. We want prop, proper, you know, counselors. So, you know, we've done that, number one. Number two, we have created for every province in this country, a DNE, a do not euthanize advanced directive. And we will give that to you. We ask you to come and be a member for $10 of the Delta Hospice Society. And we will give you an advanced directive that's been produced by a lawyer that basically says, I do not want to be euthanized. If at any point in my uh, sickness, I ask you to kill my kill me. It's because it's a cry for help. Uh, we do not approve of, of a facility unilaterally deciding to not treat us anymore, who turns off our oxygen, our air and our nutrition. There's a clause in there that says, if you do that, I will have my representative sue you. So, you know, these are the things that ordinary people need to be empowered with uh, because we need to keep our people safe. Uh, we need to keep our homes safe. Uh, and Delta Hospice Society wants to uh, partner with you to ensure that you can at least feel some sense of peace um, and some sense of protection. So become a member, deltahospicesociety.org, and we'll get you set up. Well, that's really wonderful. I, I really encourage all of our True North uh, viewers to look into that and, and get involved. It sounds like a great initiative. And I'm very disappointed that uh, even conservative politicians aren't working with you or aren't willing to uh, stand up against this bizarre um, bullying that's happening towards your organization and the sort of broader trend of, of pushing medically assisted death upon people who are mentally ill. I think that's a, a very sad sign of the times and, and, and another sign, like I said, off the top that our society is sick and that we're, we're suffering from severe uh, societal decay. So Angelina Ireton, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining the show. It was great talking to you today. Thank you, Candice. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show. Mm -hmm.